Welcome to another Talking With on Anbree. I'm so glad you're here. If you have ever been told that you're less than, that you couldn't, if you haven't realized your power and your greatness, you've come to the right place. Sit back, relax, take in all the inspiration as we talk to some pretty powerful people. Enjoy. Good morning. Dan's with us. Hi, Dan. Hello. I'm going to go into Anne and share our live to my group. But how are you? Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. You're doing, doing great? great. <laughs> how was your Sunday so far? Uh, for Minnesota, now that I'm living here, it's uh, it's finally sunny. There's a lot yeah. of rain. I think we're actually getting less rain than California right now, but uh, it's uh, we're getting nice weather finally. What What's the temperature, though, in Minnesota? Uh, today, I think it's in the high 70s right now. Hmm. That's that's about what it is here. And it's very cloudy and gray and rainy. You're not missing a whole lot. Yeah, here here the the winter took a long time. We had snow into end of April. Another blizzard came and then um, it's basically been like one day of sun and then a lot of gray, a lot of rain. But this week it was supposed to storm, but it actually uh, stayed pretty nice and sunny. So, Well, that's good. I just landed back from Texas on Thursday and it was humid, sunny and 90 degrees. (laughs) And I loved it. Every minute of it. Nice. (laughs) Yes. Well, for those who don't know... Dan, um, which is a, interesting if you don't know Dan, because you are kind of, in my mind, when I first met you, you're kind of a big deal. So you served in the United States Marine Corps as a military police. Correct. Right? Yep. Um, canine handler as well. Yep. Those those dogs. Okay, we're going to get into that. Worked. Um, you worked as an industrial designer through several um, companies and built those up. And then you had a friend, a partner that want, wanted to resurrect a business that had been gone for 20 some odd years. And you got in on the ground floor and you guys pulled it off. Like your multiple locations, multiple uh, mobile trucks, you pulled it off. And Southern California is ecstatic about it. Noggles Tacos is back right it, it is back it's it's still on the upswing and and slowly growing but it, it is back yes well i want to start at the beginning with you and i sent you over the questions beforehand and we're going to go down those list of questions but if we if we don't refrain if you get into storytelling i'm all about going down some rabbit holes so <laughs> um you've had several accomplishments from the marine corps transitioning back into civilian life, uh, working for other people, and now working for yourself. Out of everything that you've accomplished in your career, what's the biggest accomplishment? Uh, from a, uh, I don't know, a whole, uh, from a open-mindedness, I don't think I've accomplished the biggest thing yet. Um, I don't know what that is yet. Um, I have made a lot of accomplishments. Um, I think uh, something that that got pushed into my brain really, really hard while being in the Marine Corps, there was always room for improvement. 
Uh, so that doesn't mean I can't focus on what I need to do to get done, but <clears throat> I kind of do sometimes fall into that. Okay. I did this. I'm good. Now I'm moving on to the next thing. Um, uh, so, uh, I mean, I am proud to say from a cheesy standpoint, I've got two twin boys, you know, that wasn't very hard to do, but it was, <laughs> it was a simple accomplishment, I guess. Um, ask your um, wife that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I, I'll give her props for, for carrying two full size <laughs> twins as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, from an accomplished standpoint, I, I don't look at anything I've done as a full accomplish, accomplishment other than, and this kind of falls in line with one of your other questions about success is um, I'm able to provide uh, for my family and I'm able to uh, pay my bills. And as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I guess to some degree of accomplishment or accomplish that. And that's kind of the success for me. Now, everything else beyond that will be, you know, gravy. Uh, so, so yeah, so there's two sides of the accomplishment. I definitely want to do more and I want to accomplish more. Um, but all in all, if I were to die today, I'm pretty, I'm pretty content. You're pretty content. Well, okay. So did you define that success, that accomplishment early on or has your definition of success um, shifted? And if it has, what was that very first definition before you stepped on the yellow footprints when you were a young, a young lad uh, getting ready to grow up and be something. What was your definition? Um, I don't, I think it was, I think it was in me before I joined the Marine Corps, but it wasn't defined until after my Marine Corps experience. Um, I grew up in California. My dad is actually from Minnesota, so I'm not, uh, so I spent my high school year here and went back and I actually joined the Marine Corps when I was 23 and so for five years, I was pretty much a surf bum, and I moved back uh, three days after graduating high school. I was back in California, and um, I kind of, uh, well, when I say surf bum, I literally was a surf bum, but not the lazy. I mean, I had a job, but um, I was shaping surfboards, and I, I thought I'd have a surfboard company. Um, that was kind of my, my focus. Uh, I, I was taught when I was younger to shape surfboards, so I started getting into it, I was doing it on my garage. But I also thought I'd be a pro something, surfer, snowboarder, or something. So summer times, I'd spend my time in Newport Beach shaping surfboards and trying to build a brand. And then, uh, you know, I'd work at shops and here and there. But then I'd go to Utah, and I'd snowboard for the winter and, you know, work at board shops there. And, you know, that was the environment that I was in. And, and I was kind of in that environment growing up um, in Southern California with um, – my circle of friends, more notably the older brothers of friends of mine who uh, some of them became pro skaters for a little bit, you know, during the early, uh, not early days, but um, during the 80s and 90s of, of skateboarding and how it grew and became so popularized because of the X Games and stuff like that. So that was kind of the environment that I was in prior to joining the Marine Corps. Um, and so I think the idea of success is, I think it's just like anybody, it's the commercialization, you know, yeah, I want money and I want to be able to do whatever I want and be lazy and sleep in. And, you know, all these ideas that you think about running your own business and that's not the case at all. And yeah, eventually you get to that point and you can pay somebody else to do it. But I really had the uh, commercialization of, of, or that idea of what success was. And, um, uh, but I think, uh, you know, during my Marine Corps time, um, 
I think, uh, or, or at least post, it gave me the opportunity to actually create a plan, you know, kind of like the acronym BAMKIS. I mean, I was actually able to kind of sit there and plan out my entire process and, and figure out how I'm going to attack this and, um, and, you know, move forward. But, but like, but to go back to what I mean by, I think somewhere in there, it made me realize what exactly what success is. You know, there's things I've got to accomplish and I'll be honest, I'm not a goal oriented, oriented person. I don't, I don't set goals for myself. What I do is I just make a plan of attack and and I guess that could be the same thing as goals, but you know, I don't have a goal to climb Mount Everest, but I do hike and I do like to do that. And maybe one day I might just go do it. I mean, (laughs) with, with, with proper training, but I don't have a goal for it, you know, and that's kind of how I've lived my life. Uh, You know, some people talk about how they wanted to be a Marine their whole life as a little kid, to be honest with you. I don't know what happened. I was having a conversation with my brother and I just said, yeah, I guess I got to do something. You know, none of this stuff is panned out. And granted, that was only five years of my life. You know, maybe if I would have focused and actually done the right steps to, you know, go work in a uh, a board shop or, or not a board shop, but a an actual shaper and become an intern or sweep the floors, do whatever, and actually work my way up into that to get the full understanding of the business and, and the, the process of shaping and selling boards. Maybe I would have became successful, but that, that was the problem. That was the things that was missing from me. Mm-hmm. And I went into the recruiter and I was pretty much signed up within less than 30 days and in boot camp less than two months for sure. Like no pulley program. I was not part of any pulley program. I pretty much said, you know, I'm ready to go. You know, right. I've kind of given up on becoming a pro something and uh, and went in the Marine Corps. And that, was, that was probably the best decision at that point. Did you only talk to the Marine Corps? Or did you talk to other branches before? <laughs> so that's an interesting story. Um, I I had worked with a uh, former Marine uh, where I was working at the time. And he said, well, go check them all out. They're not for everybody or whatever. And I had a high school buddy that went in right after high school and everything. And um, so it was kind of neat. I mean, quite honestly, I had no idea what the difference was between them. Uh, I was a G.I. Joe kid growing up, you know, mm-hmm. but I had no idea that they were so different. But, you know, the reputation of the Marine Corps is that it's the best. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go meet with them first. Well, um, they actually took the day off uh, because they did a whole weekend pulley program or something. They did something. But um, so they took Monday off uh, since they worked through the weekend. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll go talk to the Army guys. I'm I'm not going to waste my time. So I'll talk to somebody and get an idea of what I'm looking into. And um, started talking to them and did the whole shebang, started walking out and I was shaking hands. Um, there were the master guns that was locking up the recruiter station at the, at the Marine office. And uh, uh, he saw me and his first question to me was like, you knocking on my door, <laughs> like really <laughs> aggressive. And I was like, and I'm a bit, of, I was a bit of a punk. So I'm like, pretty much, yeah, old man, what, what's up with that? You know, I was kind of like, you know, I don't know. I, I, it kind of took me off, but I was like, yeah, and it was kind of funny because when I look back, the Army recruiter pretty much disappeared as soon as I, you know, started mm-hmm. talking to the Marine, uh, the Master Guns. And he goes, well, I got 10 minutes. Why don't you come and talk to me? And then um, his next question was, uh, and he and I played right into it. He goes, what makes you think you're good enough to join my Corps? And again, I was like, old man, I can handle <laughs> anything. You put me in there and I'll do it. And uh, that's pretty much kind of how, the, how, how it started. So. I mean, because th- I got pulled in the same way. They punked me. Yeah. You know, they they started uh, they started talking to they challenged my pride and my character, and I was like, 
John, give me a pin. You don't think right. I can. Right. I, I was like, I'm probably borderline getting ready. Like, oh, I'll fight you right now, old man. I mean, he, was, <laughs> he, he, he played me really well, but he was, he was a good guy. And, um, you know, I wish I would have kept in touch with him because he was actually, I mean, he was a staff in, so I see of the office and he assigned me to an actual recruiter, but he pretty much handled everything. I mean, he, he walked, walked me through. And at the time I was living with my brother and his family and he was a San Bernardino sheriff at the time. And so he, he really uh, took care of me. Um, I actually didn't initially try to go military police. Um, I was, I was open to doing something. Um, I mean, I was, I even went for a uh, tank driver. Cause I was like, well, sweet. If I'm going to do something, I've never done a, I've never driven a tank. That'd be kind of cool to say I did. So I, I actually mm-hmm. signed that up, I, you know, on my wish list. I was just trying to, fit, you know, new experiences. And uh, when I got back from Mavs, he, he said, uh, he goes, I got a surprise for you, but I'm not going to tell you until I get it confirmed. So uh, like three days later, he called me and me and my brother in. And I guess he thought because since my brother was a sheriff, he thought I would appreciate being military police. And he's like, I got you military police. And whatever and game you know this whole song and dance or whatever and i was kind of like yeah okay but then to be honest i saw my brother he was all stoked and mm-hmm. he's like wow you know this and that and maybe if you get stationed in you know camp pendleton now we're driving distance and we can do some joint training and all this sort of stuff i mean my brother was stoked and i'm sitting here going yeah all right that's cool i mean i didn't have any one real hard feelings one way or the other but you gotta understand i grew up in southern california as a skater punk so cops were not my thing i mean Right. I, yeah. I mean, I'm still a bit of a punk when it comes to cops, even right now. But um, but to be honest, much respect still. But the, the funny thing is, is I went in there pretty much passively like, all right, I'll be military police. And um, and, it, you know, it ended up being great. I mean, um, you know, it led into canine, which uh, I remember I was on recruiters uh, assistance and I worked with a sergeant that was a grunt and he gave me probably the best advice. He's like, you know, that, that's where the kind of room of improvement kind of comes into play. He's like, always look for the secondary MOSs, can continue to progress in your profession. And that's what I did. I went, I went for K9 and became an explosive dog handler. And, and, um, I, I'd like to think, uh, uh, I may not like to think I, I, I don't want to be arrogant, but I got to do a lot of stuff as K9. I mean, in multiple training organizations, uh, deployments, um, you know, just, just a lot of experience, and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, much respect to everybody who does everything in the Marine Corps, but it's one of those things where when you try to figure out the epitome of being a Marine, to me, being able to work with multiple nations, uh, organizations, being able to do dignitary security and all the, the, the high speed, low drag type stuff. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's kind of funny when people don't realize that, you know, as canine, um, at that time, at least we got to do a lot of stuff schooling a lot of deployments i mean so um it wasn't the typical pogue life that people try to make fun of you know right right was there a defining moment in your military career for you was there is there a, a a situation or um a time when you were going through all of the schooling all the all the deployments especially in the time that you served in that has Uh, stayed with you well um so I'll, I'll give you another semi, I'll give it, try to make it short. Um, you know, to me, I always, it was, a, it was, a, it was, it was my graduation of MP school. Um, so 
it's kind of funny because I always look at boot camp the best time realistically um, in the Marine Corps. And the reason was is at least at least in the environment of boot camp, your drill instructors are pretty honest. Like you didn't have to worry about anything. The integrity seemed to be there no matter what. Even if I was getting thrashed, you knew you just had that trust factor. It was all there. And, you know, the fleet is a completely different environment. Um, you know, you have good Marines and you have bad Marines. And, you know, the common statement, there's always that 10%. And I, I served with some of those and, you know, experienced those. And it is what it is. But um, I went – when I went – so based off of the uh, advice from the sergeant grunt that I did recruiter assistance with, um, when I was at MP school, they started putting out lists of schools – and so I saw K9. I was like, heck yeah, I've never done that. I'm going to put my name on that. I was the only name on it. And um, our class uh, instructor, he said, I'm not sending anybody to K9 unless I get more signatures on here. So uh, six additional Marines uh, signed up on the list. Well, long story short, we all went on the K9 board and um, everybody got K9 but me. Um, and so uh, so I finished out MP school and on graduation day, my class, uh, instructor, uh, which I would never make fun of him, but his, uh, he, at the time he was staff sergeant pile, his last name was pile. And I'm pretty sure nobody ever made fun of him other than his boot camp time. He was a mean cuss, a uh, great guy, honorable, but he pulled me aside and he goes, your orders are changed. You're going to canine school. And, um, and when I, and it's not because I didn't do good in my, uh, the board meeting with uh, all the canine department choosing. Uh, what it was is because I was a surfer boy from Southern California, uh, the master guns that was sitting on that board could not believe I'd never done drugs. And I'm not making the claim that he made that decision off that, but it was when he asked if I did drugs and I said, no, he literally had a hard time believing that I never did drugs. You know, I can't believe a surfer boy from California has never done drugs. You've never, you know, and the, the whole board interview questions went from the typical board questions to, to all about me not ever doing drugs and question whether I did drugs. Yeah. So I don't know what strains uh, Steph Sharon Pyle did at the time or whatever, but that that's when it kind of made me um, uh, realize, okay, you know, I'm not going to judge the masses um, and there was, some, there was some up and downs within that scope because, again, I was always trying to do the next schooling, um, which was a blessing in disguise. I tried it for HMX. They wouldn't take me because I had too many speeding tickets. But mm-hmm. there was 16 or sixteen of the 18 Marines that they chose to be part of HMX were on drug waivers. So somehow drugs aren't as bad as having speeding tickets. You know? So, again, that was kind of like the, my frustration with the organization when I was in MP school and, and, and mind you at this time I was, you know, 23, 24. So I'd lived on my own. I'm not the high school punk. So I was kind of like, you know, having a hard time, like this does not make sense. You know, like you're going to take guys on drug waivers, but because I have speeding tickets, you know, so anyways, but again, it did teach me not to judge the masses and, um, uh, and, and kind of go in there. And I'll, and I'll add, there was one incident because I did, when I got to, I went to Cherry Point, that was my first duty station um, shortly after canyon school. I had a run in with a corporal and again, long story short, um, uh, to me, I tried to base things off logic and being a little bit older, 
uh, I kind of had a hard time with this corporal telling me what to do. And it got to a point to where I was being pretty confrontational. And so he was very smart. He pulled me outside and just said, hey, you know, how old are you? How old are my, you know, he was kind of describing, he goes, I've been in the Marine Corps three years. This is your first year in the Marine Corps. I know more about the Marine Corps than you do. You may know a lot about life, but I know about the Marine Corps. And this is the game that you have to play in the Marine Corps. I outrank you. I don't care if it's stupid. If you don't even agree with it, you do, you know, follow the structure. And that was another defining, you know, uh, that was probably the last defining situation. So my first year, it was about me letting go of my civilian mentality and me being 24 years old, coming out to the fleet going, I'm older than some of these NCOs attitude. And it made me kind of just look back and say, you know what? Once he said that, I was like, okay, now I'm just going to do what I'm told. You know, I'm not going to be a monkey, but I'm also just going to make sure that the mission accomplishment happens. And, and I have much respect for that corporal, um, you know, for being able to kind of, uh, ex- expose me to the di- two different worlds, if that makes sense. Right. Well, and so those two stories that you shared, it did speak to who you were personally, who you were as a person um, from two different ends of the spectrum. The first being um, from the board, they'll not being able to separate a belief stereotype with the person that was sitting in front of them. And the second, you being in your natural state of logic and understanding, but being a Marine, yeah, it is a way of life, but it is, it's a professional occupation. You, you're working every single day, um, 24 hours a day, you're in your job, but it's still a professional. So would you say who we are personally uh, affects or intertwines with who we are professionally? I do. I do. Um, you know, prior to joining the Marine Corps, I was, I think I, I was, uh, like I said, I was a GI Joe kid, never anti-military, but I did uh, not understanding the boot camp process and the military environment. You know, I, I think I parroted, you know, oh yeah, you go to boot camp, you get brainwashed, and you know whatever. And quite honestly, um, there was a statement that pretty much, uh, you know, the Marine Corps, all it did is. It didn't, it didn't brainwash me. It didn't change me. I mean, even though the, the term changes forever, it emphasized what I was already taught. Is, is, and I truly believe that, for, at least from my perspective. I mean, I, I, had, I had good parents, you know, best they could do. I mean, I have good siblings. I had decent friends growing up. I mean, we were mischievous. We were punks. But we were not bad kids, and I didn't have a terrible, terrible uh, childhood uh, in hindsight. Um. And my, I guess my core beliefs and what I was taught, you know, I didn't have, a, I, I would, I will admit that I didn't have massive conviction unless there was like an extreme situation, you know, but as a high school kid, I was, you know, everybody, to be honest with you, I've never done drugs and everybody thought I was always high. Uh, you know, I was pretty laid back in high school. Why didn't yeah. you do drugs? What's that? Why didn't you ever do drugs? Um, I think part of it was the examples of other kids that were doing it. Uh, speed was pretty big in, 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 in my high school. Um, and uh, it, part of the environment, uh, part of the area, I grew up in Riverside and part of it was you had a little bit of gang influence and everything. And it was always, you know, it was all about making money, selling drugs. And it was just that environment that I was exposed to. And I'm just lucky I just didn't get into it. Um, 
I think part of it is my religious background. Uh, my parents, you know, uh, just uh, having that decent foundation, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I never had any real attraction to um, drugs. And, and I will admit, I mean, even the Marine Corps, I did, I liked whiskey. I drank whiskey all the time, every weekend, you know, it was, I, I don't, I don't think I was ever alcoholic level. I never had to <laughs> seek counseling over, but I did, I did participate in, in growing those numbers of consumption of alcohol in the Marine right. Corps. And, um, but quite honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't drink now. I don't, um, I, I don't ever, I never really got addicted to it, but I will admit as funny memories that I've had being intoxicated uh, quite honestly, I don't like the um, uh, the self the lack of self control. Um, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I, I it's comical to see other people stumble and fall or whatever, but at the same time, it's I, I have to say it. Sometimes I kind of feel um, I don't know. Is it empathy maybe, or I, I almost feel sorry for some people who who get get enjoyment out of that. I guess and. So I, I don't know. It just it just never really really attracted me. Hmm. Do you have? Okay, so you've gone from surfing, snowboarding, skating, um, wanting to start your own business to Marine Corps, canine handling. You've gotten out. You've you've done design uh, for several businesses. I mean, this is not the career that you're in and you're doing marketing and sales. Yes. For Noggles. Uh, not necessarily sales, but just more of a brand marketing. Um, mm -hmm. So brand recognition. And um, so, yeah. So when I got out, um, well, I've always been uh, creative. Uh, I like, I like to draw. Um, excuse me. Um, again, uh, I think uh, the shaping of surfboards reemphasized, um, my creative side and um, growing up in Southern California, you know, you got Disneyland there and everything. So I actually had, you know, grand gestures of, of being an animator for Disney. And, uh, but unfortunately not, and again, uh, credit to my school counselors, maybe they tried to get me in the right path or whatever, but mm -hmm. I can honestly say I have no recollection of ever being guided. This is what you need to do to become a designer or an animator for, for Disney. Oh. And, and at that time, I mean, when I graduated high school, I mean, this will date me, but you know, the internet wasn't, was, was still AOL dial up kind of crap or something. And so, <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so prevalent of, of, you know, searching for stuff and whatnot. Um, so, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, um, I, the creativity side of came in, I would modify canine gear. I would modify whatever gear I need to, but I ended up serving with a guy whose dad was a, a designer for um, GM um, and did everything from Cadillacs to whatever cars. And, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to become a car designer, but I knew I wanted to become a designer in that respect. Um, right. And, um, and so for me, it, uh, coming home, I didn't go right to school. Um, I, I, I had to make sure I can afford to go to school. Um, and what, what foundation was I going to have while going to school? So I don't admit this very often, but so when I came home, I went, I went and lived with my brother 
he picked me up from Camp Pendleton and, and I went and stayed with him. He, he was a sheriff, but he also, he invested in a manufacturing company. So he had his business going. And so I got to kind of a, have an outlet for designing some stuff, machining and, and, and injection molding and whatnot. But um, I knew if I was going to go to school, I needed to get a, a good part-time paying gig. And so the two things that I researched was either become a bartender or become a massage therapist. And, uh, and I became a massage therapist on the sole basis that because I do like to play and party and whatnot, I knew if I became a bartender, I would get distracted and not be able to focus on school. And in hindsight, it was probably the best thing for me because, um, not to be overly cheesy, but the holistic mindset and the environment of, you know, the whole massage environment, I mean, the candles and whatever, all the aromatherapy and stuff, uh, it uh, it probably actually helped me transition to civilian life a lot better than any other environment that I've been in. Um, um, not to say that the uh, massage industry doesn't have its uh, pitfalls, but it was um, it was actually really good. I did I, I I got certified, became a massage therapist, got a job in Newport or Costa Mesa, Newport Beach, and. Then I started researching schools, design schools, and then I went to school and I was able to go to school full time. I and I was able to work 20 hours a week and I was probably making 30 grand a year, 20 hours a week. You know, so it's not a bad gig, gig you know. Yeah. And um, and when I say 20 hours a week, I mean, literally like, you know, three hours here, four hours here, six hours there. So I was able to focus on school and I graduated with within three years. Um, so it was, it was actually a good thing. Would you say that you were designing your career at this point? Yes. Um, I, I, I was, you know, it kind of holds back to, or goes back to the, the, the marine environment. Now I was able to actually focus on what is my objective and what do I need to get there? And so at this point I was, yeah, I, I was going to become a designer. I wanted, I liked designing, you know, uh, again, growing up in the skate and surf industry. Um, those were kind of my dream jobs. So that was kind of my focus. Like, how am I going to, whether I get those jobs or not, that's the environment that I want to be in. And um, so, yeah. So once I, once I was able to get into the massage job factor, I was able to now focus on school. And again, my bills are paid. um, And now I was able to focus on the the true objective of getting my degree in industrial design, um, which, uh, yeah, led me into many different industries, which is, which is fun. When you, what made you decide to go into the food industry? What was it about the prospect of resurrecting? I mean, this isn't reinventing. It wasn't taking something that no one's ever heard of. It was, and I feel like it was a, it was a, a special project because everyone in Southern California had their own memories and experiences tied to this brand already of, of Noggle's Tacos. So they already, they already had, there was already expectation there that did you feel like you had to live up to that first off? And then second of all, what was so lucrative that you were willing to go into a food industry where it is very risky? Well, so the food industry is probably, the number one hardest industry to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's obviously massive saturation uh, of 
especially in Southern California, there's tons of Mexican food restaurants. Like, why do we need to open up another Mexican restaurant in, in Southern California? Well, if, and I've, I've, you know, in past interviews when we first started, you know, an interview asked that question. I said, if you know Noggles, then you wouldn't ask me that question. You know, it's, there's a history behind Noggles. Um, and, and so the, so go back to your question. One of the reasons why um, I risked it to get involved is the, the end result. Um, naturally, I do want to, I do want to get financially free, if that makes sense. Um, I, I do have the grand gestures of, of what I talked about earlier is it would be nice to not be bound by somebody else's schedule. And no matter what, I'm still bound by the customer schedule, but I'm getting to do what I want to do. And I'm getting to lead it a little bit more in what I feel um, as a company or, or my life. And um, in the way I operate now, my part of the influence too, is my dad had his own accounting firm growing up and he worked a lot of hours. So I wasn't completely naive to the, 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 the hours or, or um, the demand for owning your own business. But what I liked about it was, is he still controlled his time. So um, if he came to my basketball game or my football game, he just made up for it later that night to get his work done. You know, you don't have that option when you're working for somebody. So, um, so, so again, I don't have the, you know, I, I'm, I'm not naive to it, but it would be nice, to, you know, for me, the objective is to control more of my time in my life. You know, and I, you know, granted, I mean, not not to go surfing as much as I would like to, but it's for my boys as well. You know, to be close, you know, be more, um, just be more in their lives as much as possible. Um, and so that that kind of was, you know, so I, so not to sugarcoat it, I do want to make money. I like to make as much money as I can. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, uh, and so yeah, so when the opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, cha-ching, heck yeah. I mean, I grew up in Southern California. Noggles was the place to hang out. If you were going to sneak out of your home at 3 a.m., that's where you went to hang out. I mean, I had one probably two blocks from my house. That's where I skated. It was the one um, uh, restaurant that would never chase you off. Carl's Jr. and and McDonald's, they chase you off out of the parking lot when you were trying to skate their curbs and all that stuff. So Noggles was like, this is like the, the this is the place to hang out at. And um, so so yeah, so everybody has their different experiences, but you know, essentially that's kind of what it was. That was the place to go. And, um, and so, so yeah, so then that, that, that goes into a cash 22. Um, yeah, we already have a market. Well, great. Now we have the expectations that need to be met. And, you know, so you can argue, you can argue what is easier by creating a brand new brand, or is it easier to have something that already has a following? And, um, and I, I think there's a catch-22 there. We have seen definitely the love of the people who remember Noggles. As soon as we open up, um, we have people showing up almost instantly. And um, so that's the beauty of it. But now we have to deal with the criticism. So, so um, What's the biggest criticism that you've gotten? Um, a lot of people will claim that I used to buy the Macho Combo Burrito every day all through high school, and this does not taste like it. All right, dude. Um, sorry you feel that way, but we have the original recipes that we clean up. So it literally is we're making the exact same stuff. We've cleaned it up. I will admit that we have cleaned it up so it's a little bit on the healthier side or not yeah. a little bit. It's more on the healthier side. So we don't have flavor enhancers and all the other chemical-based type type flavor, you know, 
uh, like MSG and you know whatnot. But but with that said, it's kind of when we get those kind of criticism, I mean, and then we get the bad kind of compliments. Like, um, yeah, it's it's yeah, I was disappointed. It's not the same as the original, but the food is good. The food is good. It's just not the same. It's like you know, so so it does get a little frustrating here and there. Um, and, but, but mind you, everybody's perception of, of what happened 20, 30 years ago is completely different. And, and, and what's that? It shifts also. And then and then our taste buds change. I remember right. eating things that I loved as a child. And I'm like, this is not right. This is not the same. Yeah. And we get. Yeah. We, and and there's, a, there's there's just little things like that that, that happen. And, it, and it's fine. Um, and you know, part of it is, you know, the, the older market, anybody over 30 years old, 35 is between 35 and 40 is probably the youngest that remember it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, it, it's just different. Cause it's funny because when people start saying like, Oh, your, your, your food is bland. You know, when we get those kind of uh, statements, it's kind of interesting because so many people have been eating fast food and eating the, the, yeah. chemical-based flavor enhancer so much. Well, naturally, I think our food will taste bland. Um, you know, we can always improve our food. I will admit that. And maybe to some degree it is bland. For me, I have a hard time because I like really, really spicy. So we're trying to – I always have to step back and go, okay, I don't want to burn out my customers' mouths. Uh, but at the same time, there needs to be some sort of kick. Um, so it's always trying to find that balance. But, again – when people claim that, that our food is bland sometimes, it's kind of like, yeah, but you've probably been eating Del Taco or Taco Bell for so long. And mm-hmm. now like Taco Bell, you know, they have their uh, Dorito type flavored taco shells. Well, yeah, our food's going to taste bland by compared to that, you know, compared to that. Um, does, okay. So going into the food industry and your first love, your first passion, your first idea was surfboards and snowboards. Do you feel like you are fulfilled in your career, not yet arrived. You did use the word contentment, but do you feel like it's fulfilling you? And is that even a factor for you? Is fulfillment even on your radar as something that needs to be done? I think I am a product of, I'm fulfilled by the challenges set before me. you know, I can die today, die tomorrow, whatever. We don't know. And at least I can look back and say, if it were to happen, I, I went for it. I was, um, you know, um, I went, I, I basically, I, I went for it. Um, it. It's, it's one of those things where um, I always look at myself because knowing who I am, you know, again, pretty scatterbrained prior to the Marine Corps and whatnot. And, you know, um, I'll try this. And then I, you know, there's times where I, uh, if there's any regrets is not sticking out the, the shaping of surfboards and going the right way about it. Um, but then again, I don't really regret it because if I would have been successful, great, but then I wouldn't have had my Marine Corps experience, which I, I do cherish. Um, and would that matter? I don't know. Probably not because I wouldn't have known what I missed. Um, right. so when it really comes down to it, um, it, it's, it's the forging ahead, um, I'm, and, and maybe it is a, you know, I, you know, I don't do the self-help books like, uh, like, I don't know, nothing against it or nothing like that. It just, 
and I don't want to sound like I don't put, I don't set expectations. I do. But if I keep focusing too much on the, on the objective and not look at the each steps that I need to, then I think I lose sight. Um, and I don't know what analogy to use in that regard, but it just, I know what I need to get to. And these are the steps I need to do. And if something doesn't work out at that step, then I've got to readjust and make a new step to be able to get to the next step. Right. And so I guess my, I, I guess if I'm really admit to it is my goal setting is more at each step than it is the end result. And, and because right. it's more of a hope. There's no guarantee that Noggles is even going to be full. I mean, it, it could die out tomorrow or it can die out next year. You know, may, you know, maybe we open up 20 stores and we're doing great. And then the following year, half of them are closed. You know, there's so much variables that go on in, in life that it's not that I'm not setting any crazy expectations. It's the, it's, those are the things I have no control over. So this is what I know I need to do to get where I want to go. And if something side, you know, flanks me or sidelines me somewhere, then I'm just gonna have to readjust and, and keep moving forward. That's all. How do you not let anxiety of that unknown of what you can't control? How do you not let the anxiety overtake it and go, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna go work for someone. I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a nine to five, I'm gonna get a pension or retirement plan, health benefit, like no, and then I'm just gonna concentrate on the home life. Why um, put yourself out there? It's it's pretty it, it is tough. Um, anxiety does come in. So, so to be honest and kind of what I mentioned before, uh, or, or led into, um, so the restaurant it's growing. We have our third location getting ready to open up hopefully in the next six weeks tops. Mm-hmm. But a year and a half ago, um, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know we had a lot of, we had a lot of deals fall through that really hurt us. And so right now, um, you know, I, I moved to Minnesota because everything I do for the company I can do remotely, and I took on a, a on another product design job to cover, take care of my family, and now essentially I'm working two full time jobs. Now again, remotely again, if I have to wait, stay up until midnight, I'll do whatever I need to do, send it off to the guys. I'm two hours ahead, so pretty much everything I do, it's waiting for them, and um, but um, you know, I I couldn't justify. Um, staying there and, and none of us want to give up when we when, when it's, you know, again, when the anomalies and the, and, um, the uncertainties, again, we, you know, we try to make really good deals with people. We try to make sure we vetted our people that we do business deals with. Right. And you know, a lot of these, a couple of these people, they bad people and it's going to happen. Anybody who's trying to start their own business, you're going to trust somebody that, you shouldn't have, and you're gonna mind. And, and, and the sad part about it is, we start beating our, beating ourselves up over it. And I, I did, you know, I'm the only uh, veteran in the group, and I'm sitting here like I should have known better. I should have known better. But realistically, like, if I keep beating myself up over it, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna become um, the insecurities and the lack of confidence in the next de- business decision is gonna be affected by it. So now I've got to take it, learn from it, and move on. And I can't, I can't dwell on it. Um, anxiety did, did come through, and um, because real, you know, naturally, okay, I've got to find a paycheck for my, you know, to feed my kids and my wife and take care of her home and all that sort of stuff. But all in all, you know, it's I, I think part of it is is pride. I think I, you know, for a while there, I probably dragged out the 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 decision because we were trying to make every uh, possible way to be able to continue on the upward uh, swing uh, in our business. 
And I finally, I just said to let go and just go, all right, this is not about me anymore. This is not a, you know, I've got to let my ego go. It's not a failure because I had to take a step back, um, not collect the paycheck so that the business can thrive and, um, you know, get a, get a nine to five job. With that said, it goes back to it. Yes, there is comfort in knowing a paycheck is coming, but, um, but my experience, uh, a year and a half into my first professional job out of school, I got laid off. Um, you know, right. I, you know, I, I think uh, other than everybody got laid off except for like six employees, you know, and so so there's no guarantees, you know. Well, you said something very interesting about you had to let go of your ego, and there's a lot of folks out there that really want to be their own boss, think they have a great idea. Um, really want to start something out. Do you think a lot of times ego gets too much in the way and that in itself is the obstacle they can't overcome to reach their final? I I believe so. I think, um, and and ego can be a good thing and a bad thing, but I think it's more of a bad thing than anything. Um, There's nothing wrong with having pride in your product or your idea. uh, Mm -hmm. And you want it a certain way. Um, in the, in my experience as an industrial designer, you know, I, I worked for a guy that we went from Rev A all the way down to like Rev P, not because my designs were bad, but it was because he kept coming up with a different idea and coming up with something else and everything else and everything. It just, it, it, I finally, I, 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 I was kind of fresh into that position. So I didn't know how to talk to the owner at that time. Right. And, then it just finally got to me enough to where I was like, sir, you've got to stop. This is what we call feature creep in, in, in the industry. You want to keep changing. You are not going to make any money by trying to make the perfect product because you will never make the perfect product. You're going to constantly make it and do another feature on it and do another feature. you got to get a product out there. And so this is, so this is always a, you know, when I, when I see guys like these coaches online talking about, you know, I don't know. You don't stop until you reach your goal. And rah, I don't know. I, there's something about it that that, that kind of annoys me because there's like this perfection expectation. And I think a lot of times, you you know, you've got to do what's good enough to get that product in the market and making money. And you know what? It's, 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 it's um, uh, like the car industry or early stages of the car industry. They have, they actually had what's called planned obsolete. They don't want their product to last forever. It has to break down because you're not going to buy another car. That's how every product line is. So anybody trying to get into, like, I'm going to start my own business. I got this great idea. I'm going to make the perfect product. Well, that's yeah. stupid. You don't want to product yourself out of the industry. And, 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 and if you apply that to your life, it's the same thing. You're constantly generationally changing, you know, from product generation, not rev, but a generation. Hey, here's my first generation. And now we're going to improve on that to generation B. It's the same product, but now we just added this feature. And, and you can apply that to your life as well. Well, and in a way, I mean, if you come out the gate with no room of improvement, you're kind of screwed yeah. in life and business, right? There's nowhere to go. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote, I I was talking to someone and I also wrote a little a little piece on, the downside of waiting for the perfect time to do anything. Because if you sit there and wait for the perfect time or the, or make, make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed, then you lose, 
you you probably never will get up and go. You probably will never take into action. But there's a lot of us. And um, you mentioned coaches. And I've just now started going from consultant to coach. But there are. There are a lot of coaches. But in another way, there's a lot of online presence and a lot of people that are doing passion prod. You know, I want to I want to I want to live my purpose. I want to live in my passion. And that sounds wonderful because it feels like you'd be happy all the time. Yeah. Right. Because you're so passionate and happy about it. Um, what do you why do you think that that's a thing now? Why do you think that so many people put more emphasis on Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Am I doing what I was born to do rather than, um, no, I've got to, I've got to, there's responsibilities. There's life responsibilities that I have to do. Why do you think, and there's a follow-up question to this, regardless of your answer, but why do you think there's so much emphasis now? Well, again, I I think that's part of the marketing aspect of it. Um, There's big money. um, And again, when I, when I, kind of sound condescending on coaches and also it's not people like yourself. It's not people that are legitimate. It's the people who roll up in a Lambo in a, you know, 6,000 square foot home on, on the coast of Newport beach and saying, if you want this, follow my 10 steps type of attitude adjustment and whatnot. My newly and released it, book that's about to hit the shelves. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I could bench press 300 pounds or whatever. And it's like, this is, this is what success looks like. And that's the problem is, 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 again, it's marketing. And that's the, that's, that's kind of the sad part about it. And I'm not knocking, well, I guess I am kind of knocking it, but the, the thing about it is, is I think what that does is, and I, I can't remember exactly verbatim, the, the, one of the more popular marketing statements, but it was to the effect of, I'm not selling you anything you don't want. I'm just, pre- I'm pretty, I'm actually presenting what you want. And, and that's why marketing is so easy with people who start buying into a lot of that stuff, you know, yeah, I would love to be more ripped. I wish I was back to my boot camp weight and all ripped and everything, yeah. you know. What? And I'm I'm a I'm I'm a victim of trying out the fat pills and and working out and you know, I don't know. But then again, I still like my steaks, and so again, that's a whole other argument and discussion. But but I think what it is is that are peop- people. I don't know if people actually know what they want from a fulfillment because we've lived in such a commercialized environment. And so I don't, you know, so if I were, we were just talking to a random person and you ask them, what do you really want? Well, it'll probably be the common things. Well, I wish I had more money and I, I wish I had a bigger house, you know, and, and, and again, not knocking materialistic stuff because realistically that's what we need to have to even live. I don't want to live in a bad neighborhood. So I chose to live in orange County in a good part of orange County. And that takes time. Right. And, 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 and you're going to have to work at it. And, you know, just as a sideline example is I have a, I have a friend um, makes a really good paycheck. Um, his passion is surfing. And he, he's even right now in his, he's probably 50 years old now, I think he's probably as good as any professional surfer out there, but you know what? He got a job, he does his job and he can surf. He, he basically got a job to pay for his, for his passion. And he gets to do it. Now, is that a right thing or a wrong thing? Well, it depends on who you are. Because, that, again, when you want to go into that, yeah. find your passion, find your passion, get paid for your passion. Well, you know what? There are some people's passions. You're not going to make more than ten grand a year, if not a thousand, if, you know, maybe even worse. I mean, passion is only good so far. And that goes back to the whole pride thing. I think it's what are you willing to do and put forth so that you can be 
so that you can actually um, provide for not only for yourself, but for any future family that you decide to have. And does that also speak to your ego kind of getting in the way? I mean, you have to balance your ego, your, your confidence, your, your talent, your skill. Right. With responsibility, fulfillment. What is that balance like? Where did you find yours? Um, I mean, I'm trying to get to why you didn't just go, okay, I'm taking everything, I'm putting it all in, and I'm going to do what I originally wanted to do when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, and I'm going to design, surf, I'm all in. Why didn't you just do that? Um, you mean at this stage of my life? I yeah. Well, in the early stages, I was I was undisciplined. Uh, that that would be the simplest term. But in you know in my life now, oh I I still do. I still want to do that. I um um I mean I I have connections with blanks. Um, if I can ever get time to actually do it, I would love to do it again. Um, I I um I think uh, part of it is, and and I'll be guilty of it is, what is the more surety of success? So. So it's kind of the argument of, you know, do I collect a paycheck and do what I need to do or do I go in with the restaurant industry? And I think the restaurant industry was something that, one, I, I do actually enjoy, surprisingly. I mean, I, I really do enjoy it. And I never worked fast food growing up or anything like that. But I like food just like the next. It's a Mexican, you know, tacos. I'll always eat a taco. So great. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's a great environment. Um, but but it, I think part of it is is – um, the environment. Um, I think at our, at our, at our for the Noggles environment, I mean, it, it's, it's funny because there's a lot of personalities and whatnot, but there, there is a pretty decent environment. Can I get that shame and surfboards? Absolutely. Um, but it's the reality though, too. Um, you know, it, it would be somebody, an, an aspiring professional athlete, you know, yes, I want to shape surfboards. Great. But and I still may do that, especially maybe in my retirement stage, I'll, I'll shape surfboard, just like a lot of guys get into woodworking or whatever. Maybe I'll start doing it. But from a career standpoint, um, you know, in the surf world, you've got to be somebody. You've got to have a name. You know, it's, it, it would be just like a professional athlete. So anybody who has a high passion for, for prof- professional sports, maybe you are the guy that will make it. But mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of anomalies prior to you getting to that level and there's a lot of it's a high competition so so again it depends on the industry and and for me i think it was one of those things where um uh, you know the the ease of that sort of environment i'm not naive to anymore you know if i want to shape surfboards and somebody wrote my board and gave me accolades great maybe then i'll start going there but you know but quite honestly because i'm an industrial designer i know the manufacturing world too um, the, you know, unless you're a famous surfboard shaper, you're not making money, you know, so yeah. there's, how ahead. do you get, fam- how do you get famous? Well, exactly. And so that's, that's, that, <laughs> so that's what you have to do. You, and that's where you have to lay the groundwork and the, and that's the other thing too, is it's kind of funny because when I was shaping surfboards, um, it was around the same time as lost enterprise came around. And, um, from what I understand from, uh, word of mouth, People, a lot of people, um, actually his, the, I forget the owner or the guy who started Lost Enterprise, but a lot of people didn't like his boards. 
Um, now, from a marketing standpoint, he used a lot of TNA and he grew, and now they're an excellent board company and whatnot. And those are the kind of those are the things that kind of put the the the, reg the regret seed in my in my mind because I'm kind of like, dang it, I didn't know I was paralleling this guy at that time, and I was shaping surfboards, but yet because they went all you know extreme and you know again we live in a world sex sells whatever that's all but I, that wasn't what i was going to do and right and, and, I, and i can't honestly say maybe as a 21 year old maybe i would have done that and i didn't think of it but he did and it helped grow his business and um and i'm not saying that's the only thing I'm, i think there was probably eventually some smart people that got in play and and went that route but the, to know or at least at least in my mind and maybe it gives me some comfort hearing word of mouth that at the time his boards were good. And I was kind of like, wow, man, I mean, I was kind of making good. I know I was making decent boards and I, yeah. you know, it, so it goes back to if I would have stuck it out, who knows what could have happened, but so is, I don't mean to interrupt, but that yeah. goes right into my next question. Is that the point where would that have been a moment you wish you would have been bolder? You would have taken more risk. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 to dwell on it. Yes. Um, I could have stuck it out. I mean, I, I didn't have anything going for me other than that anyways. Um, you know, I was pretty active in, in that regard. I mean, it wasn't like, again, I wasn't lazy or anything like that. And maybe if I would have been a little bit more smart, um, you know, I didn't at that time, I don't even know what they called it. Um, whatever version of Photoshop it was, but it was probably Photoshop one or two or something like that. You know, if I would have learned this. So again, it goes back to the steps, you know, right now, kids are being exposed to that stuff. So for me, I was not exposed to that. And now I know Illustrator and Photoshop like nothing. And if I would have had those programs, I probably could have been a one man surf board company for the most part. If, if I had those tools and, um, and I didn't, I didn't have those tools. I mean, I, I started airbrushing on surfboards and I was starting to do a lot of work. Then there were some new techniques where people were using rice paper and they're printing their graphics on rice paper and then they laid under, before it got fiberglassed and all that. So there's all these different techniques, but again, I, I didn't, it goes back to what I just said before is I didn't take the necessary steps to really um, uh, understand and what has to take place to, to, to perfect that craft. So again, I was very undisciplined. So it depend, depends on how you do it. And, and, and going back to the restaurant entry versus what I like to do and what my passion is, is, is this is something that I, um, from a, from a, even from a designer standpoint or both a designer and a manufacturing experience is that's all a restaurant is. It's a manufacturing environment. You know, you have an assembly line and it's one ingredient to the next and you build your product and you package it and you hand it off to the customer. So that's where I've been able to really help increase uh, in the restaurant side of it or, or help provide um, some of our procedures to help expedite stuff a little bit better. Um, because of my manufacturing and, and design capabilities. Um, but again, you know, I don't think there's anything lost in not doing what you think you have a passion for, because again, just like, just like uh, your flavor, your palate, it changes over time. Um, you know, I, I took my kids yesterday, uh, me and my wife took our boys to a skateboard clinic. And I'll be honest, uh, it was my wife goes like, oh, are you going to get a board? Are you going to you going to go skate the ramp or whatever? And I'm like, the last time I skated and dropped it on a ramp, I think I dang near busted my neck. And, you know, I was in unfortunately I was in military gear at the time. You know, I found a skateboard while we were overseas and 
tried to go on a skate skate ramp and I was not as good as, and, and don't get me wrong, I was not a great skater, but I was able, I was a good skater, but I should have been able to drop in even with my military gear and I didn't. And you know, it's been a while since I skated, you know, and I, I, I cruise skateboard, but, but ramp, but I will say there was a spark in there. I mean, I, my kids um, are interested in it. And so now, I mean, it's like, all right, maybe this is an activity that, that I liked doing when I was younger. I'll get back into it. But, but then, I mean, but let me clarify. I still snowboard. Um, I'm not in California anymore, obviously, but, you know, the surf environment, if I go to visit, I'll go surfing. Yeah. Um, I mountain bike, you know. So, I mean, it's I'm still very active in the things that I like because you got to understand when I have a passion for it, I don't have a specific passion. I have a passion for I, I have a passion for an environment. And I think that's sometimes really hard to, I, I don't know how to explain that because as much as I grew up in that environment, I grew up in those industries, um, you know, I had a hard time. I, uh, again, I mean, that's where the Marine Corps came into play because I like to draw, I like to design, but I'm in an office now. So I've gained weight um, and I grew up digging ditches for, for phone companies, you know, when I was in high school. And there's a point and obviously the Marine Corps, it's its own, you know, uh, environment of hard work. I miss hard. I, I miss labor intensive work because it kept me healthy, kept me strong. But I, but I will admit, I remember complaining about it as well. Every day. You know, and I, I wish I had an air conditioned office. So it's, so for me, I've really kind of made journal. I, I, I will admit I've generalized my life to where I know what my passion is. I like to have fun. I like to enjoy life. I want a good environment. And whether it's shaping surfboards or dishing out tacos to a smiley customer or whatever, that, that to me, that kind of brings in that kind of fulfillment, like, okay, cool. I'm doing something good and I'm doing something that I enjoy and doing And I, and I get that from the design aspect of it. I get that, you know, again, doing all the sports and stuff like that. So. I think that that's very, it's a very interesting observation that what you think something looks like that will bring you satisfaction, fulfillment, what you've packaged it as. If you close yourself off and say, it can only be this, it can be nothing but this, you'll miss out on so many other things, but also you'll miss out on the things that you'll need to ultimately possibly get you to that. So yes. you, you undisciplined, I didn't know the next steps, goal setting's not like your top, let me write, write out all my goals and break it down. But if had you said it can only be this, I'm not going to open myself up to anything else. You would have never gotten Marine Corps. You you wouldn't have gotten um, that that discipline or that you know manual labor and yeah. Well, it, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. It, it's I mean th those are the, those are probably the based on your statement. That's probably what I dwell on more than I do regrets or anything else. You know, mm -hmm. if I would have done this, uh, I mean, when I was in, I played prop Warner football all the way up in, into high school, but I, I didn't, I didn't stay in it in high school. And because quite frankly, um, it didn't football in high school did not work with my surf and skate schedule. So I was kind of <laughs> done with it, but, but here's a disappointing factor of that. No, not disappointing, but I was, I was given awards growing up. A lot of people thought I'd go to the college level of playing football and and maybe I would have, maybe I wouldn't, I don't know. But it's one of those things where like, well, if I would have just stuck with that, then who knows what would have happened. But then based on your statement, I, the is exactly my mindset is, yeah, but if I would have done that, I wouldn't have gotten to do this. 
and I wouldn't have gotten to do that. So, so again, it goes back to there's no guarantees one way or the other. And, and it's kind of like part of my own personal philosophy is, is, you know, there's no guarantees and you can only control what you can control as much as possible. But when it comes down to it, you can do everything right and still fail. And that's where, um, and that's where you got to keep going. There's nothing wrong with failing. It really isn't. I mean, and, and to be cheesy, I mean, you can quote Ben Franklin, you can quote uh, Thomas Edison and all this other stuff, but it's, it's, to me, it seems to be so true because, you know, even from my design capabilities, you know, I'll, I'll design something and, you know, sometimes I'll hit it off the first time and sometimes it might take three or four more revisions. It doesn't mean I failed. It just means I had to go through some extra steps to get where I needed to get to. And, you know, and I think that's part of it is, is again, it goes back to where people's expectations within themselves and what they're trying to define as success or fulfillment is, I don't think people really fully understand, uh, know what that means to themselves. Right. That it's not, it's not necessarily the output, it's the process up because you're still, you're still dancing. Um, I couldn't think of a better term, but you're still. <laughs> living within that space of what you like to do, which is design is, you know, is to be creative and to create something. And you're still able to do that. Why do you think it's so hard for us as individuals to accept that it can be that simple to be that happy that if we just, if we're doing something that we enjoy and we're learning and we're working towards it, right? Why, why do you think that we get in our own way of not being willing to take something in a different package than what we thought? Is it the failure? Yeah, I, I, I again, I, I think it, it comes down to the de- definition of failure. Um, you know, again, you know, it, 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 based on what I just said, I think people's expectation um, it, I, yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard. It, it's kind of hard to answer because I think everybody's different in what they define as what that that success is or that expectation is. And again, part of it is I I, I definitely come into a lot of the, my life experiences more with an open mind. Um, um, and, and you know, something that kind of popped in my head earlier when we we're on the previous questions is again I think there's there's too many exa- of I think there's too many examples of bad success, and when I and and I take that, and I'm not trying to be political or dig, but Hollywood is a perfect example of that. Um, how how many of those individuals um, are in rehab or I don't know, regardless of their situation? And there's good people in Hollywood as well. So you know, how come you have the good ones that are able to go through? And what what is why is their success different? Um, or, or their lives are so drastically different than, than another individual who just seems to be in the spotlight so much. And, and then that goes down a whole nother rabbit hole because is it because they didn't get enough attention? I mean, like, like there's so many psychological questions that come from that. Are they used to having the negative attention? You know, I mean, as a parent, when you're raising your kid, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and I will admit it's, it's, it's I'm more disappointed in myself when my kid is trying to get my attention three times and I'm looking at my phone, you know, and then I've got to quickly put that away to make up for that three times he tried to get my attention. And how far does that go? Most of the time it's pretty good, but every now and then he 
sucker punches me or something or does something. And it's kind of like, and then I have to give them attention. And, and now I'm afraid, am I just reinforcing that negative action to get attention from me? So, so going back to the, you know, to the, I think the painted success uh, of the Hollywood environment as an example, it, you know, there's good people who are successful and probably have normal lives and they get to make movies make good money and do whatever. But then you have this, this in our face constantly, um, uh, of, of somebody struggling and the tabloid factor. And why is that so much? I mean, I can't, I, I don't even, I barely go on Yahoo anymore because 90% of the stories, regardless of fake news and all the other hoopla stuff, there's so much about certain individuals constantly. There'll be like three or four different stories of just one family and, you know, whatever. And I think, I don't know if this is like reinforcing from a society standpoint and, and as an individual Again, are we continually comparing ourselves to other people and their success? Well, so what? They're driving a Lamborghini, but you know what? They committed suicide two days later. You know, why is that? And it's not, and it's not the harp on them, but but what was missing in their life? So either you as an individual need to find out what um, success or fulfillment means to you, because in the end, it's going to be you and whatever method to either end it or move on to the next stage that, in life. That's that's interesting that we can't hang definitions of comparison onto someone else. We can't say, I, I will have arrived when I hit this person's um, level or I've accomplished what this person has done. At the same time, I think, and I'm wondering if you agree, we can't uh, decide if we're a failure based on that either. And we can't define our own happiness based on, well, this person's happy because they're doing A, B, C, and D. So that would make me happy. We have to really go inside and really reflect in what we want to do. What would your advice be for those that are just starting out? Those eight for, for both the 18 year old kids that don't know what they want to do, but also those um, active military that are transitioning out going, who knows? Who knows what I want to do? And there, right. and I think that that's a, a natural approach um, that when we're trying to decide what our next move is or what our goal is or what our objective is, we are going to look around and see what's been done before us. But how do you make sure that you're not living someone else's, you know, decisions and goals that you're. Well, and that, that comes back to, again, is there's nothing wrong with, um, being inspired uh, by other people's actions and whatnot. Um, and again, uh, it, there is a fine line between, I guess, comparing or creating that expectation because what you saw somebody else did. Again, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I mean, I have a good product. We're making, you know, tacos and burritos. And so are a thousand other restaurants. And, you know, the, it, it, and I'm not copying them. I'm not doing the exact same thing, but again, I'm not reinventing the wheel um, there. You know, so I'm not going to worry about whether or not I have um, a thousand stores like, or, or almost 3,500 stores like Taco Bell does. I don't worry about that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's, it keeps me focused in what I want to do. It's, this is, I guess maybe this is a pride factor or whatnot, or, you know, when it comes down to it, this is mine and I'm not worried about the rest of the world. So, so to kind of kind of go into the first part for any 18 year old coming out of high school and whatnot, um, 
this is probably one of the, you know, going back to maybe your bold question is, is I had an opportunity to go chill in Hawaii and I should have did it. No, I mean, didn't do it. I mean, there was plenty of construction jobs out there at the time for, you know, an 18 year old, you know, whatnot. Yeah. I could have done whatever, you know, and, you know, I didn't go to Hawaii until me and my wife got married and, and, and I have a buddy that lives there and, and it's kind of like, um, it's like, Oh man, like this is, this would have been a great experience if I would have just done it right after high school. So me personally, and, and that, and you got to take this with a grain of salt. Um, and cause you just said something that I do not want to forget. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, there, there's two aspects of it. I, I, I played for five years after high school and I'm not saying that was a good thing. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, some, I didn't have the money and I, I definitely, I didn't, I don't think I had the guts to truly go back back Europe, you know, without a dollar to my name per se, but I do kind of wish I would have done something like that, but, but I don't regret what I did because I road tripped a lot across this nation. I mean, I've been to a lot of places. I, I essentially backpacked, you know, by, by car, um, pretty much this nation for five years and most of it obviously back in California between California and Colorado and Utah, the, the Southwest. But, um, you know, and I had a lot of fun and while everybody in my age group, we're going to college right afterwards. We're probably getting close to graduating depending on what, you know, their career goals were. And, um, um, so I got to kind of play and party. And I think that's where for me, um, I don't, I don't know if I'll have a midlife crisis or not, but I don't think I will because I didn't, I didn't hamper through, I didn't, I didn't stay within the lines from high school and into my life. I went and just did my own thing. And again, it wasn't because I was lazy or not. I mean, I shaped surfboard, but I had a job. I, I, I worked at a convenience store in Newport beach. I got to surf. I got to do whatever I wanted. It was a great life and it was, it was fun. But I wasn't, but, but, you know, from a, from an adult perspective either, those are the experiences I needed to get. And then somewhere in there, and maybe I'll just call myself a late bloomer. Then I needed to start to figure out what I'm going to do with my life because you know what, uh, and this is going to be kind of foo-foo-ish, but from day one, and I look at it with my kids as well. I'm constantly on my kids. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do this. You know, I'm training them. I'm teaching them. We have, that's our responsibility as an adult, as a parent. Right. But as soon as, as soon as we open the door and I'm trying, and I'm hoping I'm going to give my kids a lot more tools than I got when, when they turn 18 and they graduate high school and I'm going, all right, dude, dude, do your thing. And they're going to sit there like, what? I don't know what to do. I don't, I want to try to, I want to minimize it as much as possible because I want them to be able to go find themselves and do their thing. And, and I remember when I was in school, when I, when I came home and was in school, you know, I was, I was, I was the old dog compared to all these uh, high school kids. And some of them were like in their early, you know, 19 to 21 age group, you know, going to school. And I, and quite honestly, and this comes um, from a male perspective. I get these guys always ask me like, you know, some of your stories and all this stuff. I thought about joining, joining the military, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, do it. Why not? I mean, I read, I read stories of, I can't um, kind of, slip in my mind but you know you read all these like these these adventure stories growing up and i i don't know like it, it, there's so much in this world you know there's no reason to have to get too 
fast in growing up, if, if, if that makes sense. You know, I'm not saying wait until you're 30 and finally move out of your parents' house and all that crap. No, and that was, you know, that was my that was my thing. I left home when I turned 18. You know, did I have to ask for my parents' help every now and then? Absolutely. But for five years, while everybody else was going to college, I kind of got to experience stuff. Now, on the flip side, um, you know, everybody that went to college before me, already had a career. When I came out of the Marine Corps, I felt like I had to start over. Um, and you pretty much do. Um, so, but I, you know, like I said, I went to school, I landed, I mean, for me, I got, I, and I will admit, I got lucky despite all the hurdles that I had to overcome. I got lucky. I got a really good paying job right out of college. Um, but a year and a half later, I got laid off. But then, you know, I worked some temp jobs the day that I accepted a $9 an hour job to go sell guns at a gun store was the day that I got back into my, I got a job offer in my field. Not as much pay as I was making straight out of school, but it was enough to get me back into my field and, and going. So again, I don't, I, I'd like to think that I'm not very prideful because if I was the day that I accepted a $9 an hour job was like, all right, if I'm going to have to work for minimum wage and because, because the economy sucks, and I might as well go sell something that I at least have an interest in, you know. Um, and so I did. I went. I I I accepted a job for nine dollars an hour to sell guns at a gun store, and that's when I got a job offer uh, designing for a company. Well, I have to tell you, the hour that we spent, and I did. I had to grab my cards and start writing because just listening to you talk, this is what I'm I'm taking away from it. And I don't think I'm so far off the mark. Um, but what, what I've heard you say is your success and your idea of what you've defined it could very well look differently. And it could come in a lot of different forms of experience. Interestingly enough, if you're not closed and you remain open to ideas and that $9 an hour job, um, taking on challenges that like the military did for you, you're going to start getting skills and things that you need for your ultimate goal, what you wanted to do. And you're going to enjoy things a lot more along the way. I think so. I think it, I think it spread out my, my life um, a little bit more uh, in a good way. Um, I feel like when I first met you, I got from you that you were, you were a genuinely happy person. Is that a true statement? I, I think so. <laughs> I, th I think so. Uh, I don't, I, I had my own little demons and stresses when I came home, but, um, but I was, I was, you know, when I was at canine school, I got nicknamed Smiley or Chester Cat because either, either I, either somebody was getting punked somewhere or I was just, you know, whatever. And, and I had good military bearing, so boot camp I didn't smile a lot, but but uh, I, I I I do feel like I'm pretty happy. Um, I feel like I'm pretty content, and and I think and and I and just to back up, you know, for advice for people coming out of the military, I think it, again it's you know you're not going to have the safety net of the of the military, and you're going to have to put work in. It's a lot harder than being in the military. Military life was easy. It hundred percent easier than than the life that I've been striving for. Um, but with that said, you know, make a plan. Don't don't come out being all right. And and 
you know, I came out with some high hopes and they were dashed, but, um, but it, it's, it truly is making a plan. And, uh, you, and again, you know, we talk about finding your passion. Yeah. Find your passion, but you got to figure out what steps you need to do to get to those. And, and then it comes down to attitude, you know, like the military morale is a killer out in the field for sure. And I think that happens here. And I think, you know, a lot of people transitioning that are struggling. I think, I, I think we get the pride and, and the, the love, especially from the Marine Corps standpoint, um, you know, nothing compares to being in the Marine Corps. Well, that might be true to some degree, but it's not true when it really, when it boils down to it, it might be a great experience for all of us. And I, I have a positive experience when I hear people tell, have a, don't get me wrong. There was bad days, but I actually had a legitimate positive experience. And when I hear the negative talk, you know, it goes back to the old state the statement, the Marine Corps is what you make of it. Well, that's the same in life. It's what you make of it. And in, a, in, a, in, in the grand scheme of things, so what, you know, I mean, so what you, if you can afford a Lambo, the next guy is going to buy a Bugatti and you're going to compare yourself to that guy. So now you got to go try to, now you're not happy because you can afford a Lambo, but you can't afford a Bugatti. Like, again, it's the stages of life. You've got to set your own parameter. And, that was, that and, was, and, and, and like I said, if I were to die today, I'd be pretty content. Well, that was my biggest takeaway. There's nothing wrong. Be inspired. Like allow all of the allow the Lamborghini guy or the Bugatti guy to inspire you. Right. Do not hang your value on that. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you for spending not just an hour with me because I kind of I didn't give you a way out. Um, when I when I <laughs> when I messaged you, I said this is happening. We're doing this, um, and I'm so thankful that you agreed and you spent almost an hour and a half with us. So yeah, I no worries. really liked it. I'm going to let you get back to your Sunday. Is there any closing thoughts before we go? No, I appreciate it. I think this is good. And, you know, any, any for me, and I, and this is one of my hopes with, with Noggles is, you know, if it grows big enough, you know, the, the one thing that um, I will admit the struggle that I struggle with coming out of the military is, is did I do enough while I was in? It's the same thing now. So you know, like how I met you was, was through that, um, that organization. And, um, you know, I, I hope if there's one goal or something, it really would be nice to be able to be much more, uh, uh, influential in, in some sort of positive change for, for vets that are struggling. And, you know, and I, and I, I do tend to be the one that kind of says suck it up because in the end, that's what you have to do. But at the same time, some people suck things up a little bit different than others. So, you know, we got to figure it out. That's all. So. Well, I, we are, we're in the same closed groups. That's how we um, initially met through that vet organizations. We're in the same closed veterans group. And right. I have to say, I see you in there and you are still serving. You're still serving other veterans and you're always there to help and lend a hand. It's very inspirational and it's very nice to to see that so uh, i appreciate it and I, and I notice that you are as well so you know give yourself <laughs> credit as, as well well so. i appreciate knowing you i wish you and your family all the best on this sunday and um we're gonna stay in touch cool. happen. all right <laughs> enjoy your day all right enjoy your day thanks everyone for joining us if you have any questions for dan you can go ahead and post them in the comments and i will make sure that um he gets them and he can see them all right I'll see y'all later. Bye. See ya.
Bye. <laughs>